Welcome to Your New Life Blend. I'm Shoshana Hecht, and today we have the wonderful and fierce entrepreneur, community builder, activist, and my friend, Deepti Sharma. Deepti has spent her career founding businesses that advocate for female, immigrant, and minority communities. As CEO and founder of Food to Eat, she helped create economic opportunities for women and minority-owned food vendors through connecting them to corporate catering opportunities. When the pandemic hit and the world suddenly closed up, Deepti pivoted on a dime and partnered with World Central Kitchen to feed more than half a million New Yorkers. It was amazing. Of course, this all led this loud and proud native Queens New Yorker to her next bold move of running for New York City Council in order to address the broken systems that keep underrepresented communities on the sidelines. While she didn't win... That race signaled her arrival as a voice and force for change in her community. Deepti is currently serving as the first entrepreneur in residence at Barnard's Athena Center for Leadership, guiding students on how to bring their mission-driven business ideas to life. I feel like I also have to point out that her Instagram stories are absolute fire. She is (laughs) serving looks all day, every day, and I am here for it. I am inspired by Deepti daily and excited to dig into all her evolutions and hear where she's taking herself next. Welcome to the show, Deep D. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I love talking to you. I haven't talked to you in a while, so I'm excited to just chat. It has been a while. It's been way too long. And as it turns out, so I got to talk to you and hang out with you twice this week. So thank you for being here. It's a delight to see your beautiful face and person. I feel like there's a lot in that intro. It's been quite a few years and there's a lot. I mean, your evolutions have been a lot, especially since 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot has happened. And I feel like I need to process it and I haven't. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's well, so like, let's just do that. Like, where were you? What was meant to be in 2020? We don't always do that. You know, like we don't always start there on the podcast in season two anymore. But like, let's do it. Because I think that was the catalyst for a lot of change. Yeah, a lot of change. And like I said, I think I'm still trying to understand what mm. happened. I guess I'm a doer. I can't stand still. I'm a doer. I'm a builder. I'm a creator. Mm. And it's what's driven my entire career, my professional career. But even professionally, I mean, even personally, I feel like I'm just constantly moving. I like to see things happen and I like to see communities flourish. And if I feel like I'm somewhere that I don't see that happening... I'm trying to figure out how to make it happen, whether it's myself doing it or helping somebody else do it, helping somebody else see their potential. And so in 2020, I was running two companies. My first one, my first baby was Food to Eat. You know, as you mentioned, it was a corporate catering service where we partnered with immigrant women, minority owned restaurants and helped them book catering jobs at large corporate offices. The idea was really just help add to their bottom line and help corporations think about diversity and inclusion, help them think about how they were spending their dollars and use their purchasing power and invest in local businesses. That was it. It was simple. You need food, but do it in a more conscious way. And in 2020, at that point, I had been running the company for about nine years, and we were in the middle of due diligence for a potential acquisition. After nine years of running a company, finally figuring out what worked, getting it profitable. You know, I went from a consumer Mm. business to nearly shutting down to pivoting the business and figuring out what made it profitable, what works, what's going to really add value to this community that had never really been served, that didn't have technology that was created for them. We were doing well Mm. and we had an acquisition offer. We had a few And it was the first time that an acquisition offer finally made sense. It was a company that was aligned. It was a founder that I really appreciated, understood, and, 
you know, came from the restaurant industry. So really understood the value of what we were doing and understood the problems of the industry. And so when I said yes to selling, I said yes to somebody that I believed in and I knew would carry our mission forward as a company. And so 2020 happened. We were, you know, the world shut down. We went from a million dollars in revenue to zero in a day. And that was disheartening. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. And I was like, well, if I'm going through this, the restaurants are suffering just as much or even right. worse. And so what can we do to help? And that's where the activist and organizer in me stepped up and said, okay, I'm going to start a GoFundMe page and raise money. And I did exactly that. And within a few days, we raised $60,000. People saw our efforts. I think a lot of people were like, let's do the same thing. And so we were taking that money, trying to figure out which restaurants were still open and had the ability to create meals and took those meals and started giving them to families that were going food insecure. Restaurants were closing, people were losing their jobs, they didn't have incomes, they don't have savings accounts. So we were just in full, let's help the community mode. World Central Kitchen was doing very, very similar efforts. Their entire existence is food relief in moments of crisis. Mm -hmm. And so they have the full infrastructure, but they hadn't done it in New York. We partnered with them because we had so many partnerships already. What they loved about us was the fact that we focused on overlooked communities, marginalized communities that aren't really you know, being asked at any point in their business timeline, what's going on and how can I help you? And so it was really fulfilling for the next year and a half. That's what we did. Our acquisition deal fell through. Mm -hmm. We just focused on that. We weren't really making money. It was just enough to keep our operations running, keep a few employees on the team to help the food insecurity crisis that was drastically increasing. We did that, right, for 2020. Mm -hmm. And while I was doing that, right, while everyone was sheltering in place, I was out on the streets. Mm -hmm. I was helping the restaurants. I was packing the food. I was delivering the food. I was carrying like 20, 30 pound boxes of food like multiple times a day all over New York City, places that I'd never even been to, mm -hmm. right? I just had a lot of time to think. Think and not think at the same time because I was just on go mode. But on those drives when I was by myself, I kept thinking about all the systems that are in place. And it's something, again, that I have always done, but it did in the light of, wow, this sucks. What needs to change? While I was on these drives, what I realized was something has to change. I kept thinking about what I was going through as an individual, all the people I was servicing and serving were going through. And I said, something has to change. All these problems have existed. Now coming to light is that we have a global pandemic that is helping us see things even more clearer. There's more transparency behind the issues that have always existed. Food insecurity is not new. We're just seeing that people, most people are living paycheck to paycheck. So when they lose their job, they don't have a way to support their family. That's when I started to think about my background in politics. Long story short, I spent four years in college working in politics. I always thought to myself one day I would love to run. And that seemed like the right opportunity. My company had taken a big hit. I'm sitting here. My city is going through a global pandemic. The world is going through a global pandemic. But my city is where I live in a community that I can help, where I was going to, where I decided to run was open. So it all seemed like it was a perfect time to take a chance on myself, take a chance on my community and step up and run. And during those drives, I kept thinking about all the issues that I had been facing as a new mom, right? You know, I had my, my first kid in 2016, the next in 2018. Childcare was a problem. Like an entire salary was going to childcare. There was no after school program. Like there was no support. And, you know, I know you've gone through this. You have a kid and this country shows you and punishes you for having that kid because it gives you no support. We have no proper universal health care. We have no child care. Yeah, school gets out at what, 2.30, 3.30, whatever, right? And then like, but the workday is not over then, right? There's yeah. so many ways that there's the system is not set up. 
at minimum, people are working from nine to five, right? If they right, have, right. Like, yeah, at minimum. Right. But people are actually working a lot longer than that. Mm-hmm. My days as an entrepreneur were anywhere from 10 to 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Most other jobs are jobs that you have to do in person, right? Yeah. And that's one of the most frustrating parts. And so that is when I said to myself, there's an open seat. It's the district I live in. It's the district I grew up in. It's the district I'm raising my kids in. I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to run. And so July 2020 is when these thoughts started coming. And then I finally went in and registered myself to run. I remember but way before that talking with you, it was just like a percolation. And I was like, I'm here for it 100% in your corner when you when you do this. This was like, I think, predated. Yeah. Well, April 2020 at that time, I remember because I was getting interviewed left and right for the work I was doing. I'm getting interviewed as an entrepreneur who whose business got crushed by the pandemic, I just felt so lost, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was doing the work because somebody had to do it. And I just Mm -hmm. felt like it was my calling at that moment to help my community. But I remember calling you and I was like, yeah, I feel lost. I really want to run for office, but I don't know if I'm the right person to do it. The one question I've always asked myself, whether it was starting a new business, um, you know, joining a board, you know, and it's the one piece of advice I always give anyone starting a business. Are you the right person to start this business? And is now the right time to do it? Why you and why now? And those two questions have always been very powerful for me because it has allowed myself to make sure that I'm not just someone that's trying to insert myself into a situation. I am the person to do it and I am the right person to do it, right? And the timing is right. Timing is everything when you're starting a business, when you're create, build, or solve a problem. For me, that was what I kept saying to myself. And I remember you saying, well, even like what other choice do you have if this is the way you feel like you can fulfill your potential if this feels like the best way to do it then you should i remember that conversation very clearly when i think of you i think purpose driven values driven and it was so sharp and clear to me the way that you were talking about the drive and i think it's because of that rubric that you use that yours is like a two question rubric right of me should it be right time right person and i think if more of us applied that to all kinds of choice points in our life, should I be commenting on this on social media, right? Like, is it, am I the right person to say this? You know, does my voice necessary here? Do I add to this mix, et cetera? I just think that just tells me like you always interrogating the choice points, I think, is what helped bring it into such sharp relief. Anything you do, right? It's like, am I adding value or am I adding noise? Mm-hmm. I think that's really important to think about. Do I need to comment on this particular issue at hand? Am I an expert in this? Do I have enough information? I think a lot of us don't lead with, do I have enough information that equips me to be a person with an opinion? We're all allowed opinions. We're all allowed to have viewpoints. Totally. But am I hurting anyone? Am I hurting a community of people that this isn't really helping, right? My voice right. isn't helping. And so that has really always been important. And running for office it was something I didn't take lightly. Because when you're in office, one of the most important things that I always continue to talk about is you're handling a budget and what happens with that budget, where money should and shouldn't be allocated. What does your community need and how important is it for them to have that thing at that point in that moment in time? And if you can't recognize those things because you're not listening, then you shouldn't be in that seat, right? If you don't know how to take that responsibility of managing that budget and giving it to communities that are truly in need, then you shouldn't be there. And so that was really important. It's something that I did with my companies. I was focused on like, well, what comes next? How much should we focus on Y and Z? And what value does that investment add to the community that we're creating for? You're giving me like chills. Because I I can imagine you in your car, self-described like I'm a mover, 
right? I'm going to keep it moving. I'm a doer. You said that already. And so like you went into action really fast, like you said, but also just the idea of you in your car in action, but in a completely different way and more alone as a pandemic and that unfolding of that lens and perspective shift about what needed to happen next or what was possible. There's just something really powerful about that image for me of you having this transformation of how you see a community that you've been such an active member of. And you you branched out, of course, right? Went places you had never been, but it's still seeing your own community that you grew up in, you live in, you raise your kids in and just really having this big lens shift around what wasn't working. Like everybody was lonely at this point. We were all sheltering in place. We were all figuring out what was happening. We didn't know what to do with ourselves. We were going back to finding simple moments of joy for ourselves. And I didn't know how to do that. I couldn't because there was this like weird calling of like, I just have to get up and go. Yeah. It was tough. It was really tough. I remember lots of moments of just like tears because I kept saying to myself, is what I'm doing the right thing for me to be doing right now? Mm -hmm. And even then I was questioning myself, am I adding value by doing any of this work? Mm -hmm. Am I being a bad parent by not being there for my kids during this global pandemic? Are they lost, confused? And, And then I said to myself, no, you're exactly where you need to be. And life is funny. The universe is funny. I think it continues to guide all of us, whether we seek for that guidance or not. It is somehow coming to us in some shape or form, whether it's through people that are coming in and out of our lives when and if, you know, when they're meant to be there and when they're not, whether it's moments where you find yourself in places that you didn't expect yourself and finding discovery. I think of it as just one moment at a time, take it as it comes yeah, and be okay with what's happening at that time. I, I agree with you that I'm always like, what's that thing that made me go left instead of going right when I always go right. And then that that serendipitous thing happens, just shakes up the way I'm thinking about something. All right. Thank you, universe or whatever. Okay. So lonely, ran for office, did not win. I imagine running for office being so hard. And my race was very difficult in itself. It was a special election. It was congested, as I remember the field. There were eight candidates by the time we were all petitioning to get our names on the ballot. There was the candidate who was in office decided to drop out early. It turned into a special election because in New York City, you cannot have a seat empty when there's budget season. Right. And what I thought I had eight months to do turned into eight weeks. Mm-hmm. I was very proud of what I created. I didn't do it alone. It takes a village. Mm-hmm. But that village was very tiny because mm-hmm. I had such little time. But yeah, I didn't win. It was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I put in a lot of work. But that's such as life, right? Mm-hmm. Just the outcome is not necessarily the reason why you do it. That's right. You do it for the journey. You do it for the things and the people you meet along the way. And there is ways to make impact throughout your campaign. And so we were able to do that. And I think that was really, really important for me to have these conversations and continue to listen, continue to understand. It's the entrepreneur in me, right? I I can't start a company without talking to the community I'm trying to service. And so those conversations, I think, will continue to unfold in the work that I do in the next 20 to 50 years. Yeah, right. So then that happened. That was 21, 2021. And so then you're a builder, but then you weren't really building. And so what does that mean? And by the way, I just want to interject. So your new life blend with all this. It's incredible. And the interrogation, the always asking, the always turning inward and outward to get more data, really looking at what makes sense. What is lighting me up? What is important here? How do I keep living a life of purpose, et cetera, et cetera. It's just really inspirational to me. Exactly what we're talking about. So thank you. But like, yeah, so then you're a builder without a focus. 
And again, I imagine also kind of lonely and challenging. I wasn't actively building. I turned to personal development, focusing on me. It was the first time since I was 16 that I didn't have something happening in my professional life, in my mm -hmm. career. The first time I didn't have an internship, a job, a paycheck. And I turned it into a moment of self-reflection. Mm -hmm. I turned it into a moment where I went quiet and I decided to face a lot of things that I didn't face before. Personal traumas, right? Like things that I went through that deeply affected me, but I didn't know how they affected me, how they changed my trajectory in life. And I kept thinking about, well, what if those things didn't happen? Who would I be? What would I be? I literally just stayed quiet. I still showed up to a few things in the community. I showed up for my family in ways that I had never been able to before. And an opportunity showed up on its own with Barnard College and someone I knew, Umbreen Pati, who is an incredible human. One guest of the show, we love Umbreen. Yeah. <laughs> She's amazing. Absolutely incredible. And I saw that she had sent out a listing of a job, which was entrepreneur in residence. And I was like, well, I'm an entrepreneur. or mm -hmm. I have been an entrepreneur twice. And this is interesting. Let me take a look at it. I wasn't actively job hunting. I was just trying to, again, go back to that self-reflection. I started seeking a therapist. I'd never gone to therapy my entire life. Tried to figure out what I needed as personal growth. Anyway, so I did see this post and it was... Something that has changed my life in the last two years, I approached Umbreen. I was like, hey, I think I'd like to apply. Do you think I would be a good fit? She was like, yes, apply. We'd love to interview you and see if you'd be the right fit. Lo and behold, after a couple of months of interviewing and talking to their entire team, I was given the offer to become the first ever entrepreneur in residence at Barnard College. And I didn't take that lightly because Barnard had never had an entrepreneurship program at that point. They've had a lot of entrepreneurship groups here and there, but nothing that was created for the students by the administration, by the Athena Center. And so it was really cool to take on this role and figure out what entrepreneurship looks like at a all-women's non-binary college. Mm -hmm. What does a program look like for them? And as an entrepreneur, I have always led with community comes first. What is missing in my community and how can I build for them? I've always had the social impact mindset when building. It was never how can I create a billion-dollar business. If it becomes that, awesome, that's great. But that wasn't ever the intention that I built with. And so I went in really excited to build something for a community that didn't have something before that wasn't student-led, that was really by the administration too for the student body. And so that was my first big step into building a new career for myself and doing something that I'd never done before, which was work for myself, build, create for myself for communities that I saw that needed something. And it was like my first time in academia, which was kind of fun and cool. But also scary because I didn't know what to expect, right? <laughs> and we put our academic institutions on such tall pedestals, right? Shout out to therapy, for sure. I'm a big fan. I've had the privilege of a really incredible therapy in a variety of forms in my life, and it really is such a game changer. And also just wanted to relate to making time to make sense of trauma, the shaping it has on it. And I just, I think action is my primary defense mechanism. If I can do something, I'm going to do it. I will do it. I will fix it. There's been times in my life where it was like the more I did, the worse things got. Yeah. And so I think I just feel like there's a little parallel there with your just like I'm a mover, I'm a builder, I'm a doer. And this like, oh, there's nothing to do. I'm in a lull. I'm in a moment. And so really having to look at that, I want to just name how scary that can be. And it was because, again, there's things, so many layers to all of this. Mm -hmm. It's here I am, a mother of two. 
figuring out how I can support them on a financial basis, on an emotional basis. People say this all the time. If I don't take care of myself, whenever people say self-care, how can I take care of others? Mm -hmm. And as cliche as that is, it is really, really important. It's true. Cliches exist for a reason. They're true. Oxygen mask and all that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the first time we realize it's telling me to take care of myself and then my child. Like, that's crazy. My child comes first. And they do in so many ways. But you can't take care of anyone if you don't take care of yourself first. You can't heal if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't think about your personal growth, if you don't think and face your fears and your traumas and all of that. That's right. The building a life of intention has turned into taking care of myself. Boom. And being there for myself and understanding and seeing myself as enough as I am. And it's hard because we live in a world where we're in constant comparison, Mm -hmm. even more because of social media. Yeah, of course. It was funny because my brother made this comment one time where he's like, oh, I haven't been on your social in a while. And I was just kind of scrolling. And he was like, everything you post has meaning and intention behind it. Even if it is a thirst trap picture of myself, that picture talks about confidence and how it's taking me years to post a picture where I do look a little thirst trap, you know, where I am showing a little bit more skin than people are comfortable seeing. Or used to seeing, rather. Or used to seeing, right, exactly. And the whole point of my existence, I believe, is to uplift and empower others. Be what you can't see, right? Right. I want to be that role model, whether people believe I am that role model or not. But I didn't have people that look like me talking about confidence. I didn't have people that look like me with my background of immigrant parents or a woman of color or a woman that didn't go to an Ivy League school that can become founders and build million-dollar businesses, right? Raise millions of dollars. I didn't see that. I didn't believe it could be. You can't be what you can't see. And so I wanted to be that. And I continue to use my platform, however big or small it is, with that intention. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, every picture has a caption that is rooted in deep connection to things that we're uncomfortable talking about or empowering someone to see themselves in a way that they didn't. For moms to believe that there is a life after giving birth, Mm -hmm. that they can own their sexuality and it doesn't matter what other people think. What matters is how you feel within that body and that skin. And I think that is more powerful than anything else. How do you build with intention? How do you build that life for yourself? And it's just seeing yourself as enough, seeing yourself as a powerful human. And the fullness of it all, pouring love and lifting yourself up, which isn't to say, oh, you don't have goals, but it's not harshing on yourself. Once I got to a place where it's like, I just can love myself fully exactly as I am and still be working towards something, it's all just part of it. It doesn't serve anyone. And it definitely does not serve your kids or anyone else you're role modeling for to be tearing yourself down. That's how they learn how to tear themselves down. Right. Yeah. There's just so many things you said in there that are just deeply powerful, like really being the role model you wish you had for whoever needs, whoever is paying attention. And I like to say if a blog I send out or a post I write or something, anything, if one person is helped or supported or feels seen or connects to it, that's enough for me. Everybody's an influencer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like we get into this comparison game Mm -hmm. and we're the harshest critics on ourselves Mm -hmm. a lot of the times when we should be kinder to ourselves. And so you saying Mm -hmm. that is really important. If I can influence even one or two people's lives through what I put out and those people are are touched or empowered or 
they feel better after that, then that's enough. And you're doing more than that, of course. Yeah, I'd like to think so. But I mean, in that year of reflection, 2021 was also Mm -hmm. who do I want to be? I was always like, oh, I'm a working mom. I'm this, all these. Like, I have always lived by my labels. And those labels are, I identify as a woman. I'm a woman of color. I'm a mother. I'm a spouse. I'm a daughter. I'm a child of immigrants. And I always bring all those labels into my Mm -hmm. work, into my life, whatever I do. But sometimes it was hard to just be those things individually. Like, I'm a mom. That's okay. And that's enough. There was always this like, oh, but this person's doing this and look at them advancing. Instead of feeling joy, I was feeling jealousy. And that was something I had to sit with. Like, no, Mm -hmm. I want your podcast to flourish. And I want to do one too. And I'm just not doing one right now because it's not the right time. Or I'm not building a company and I'm not being interviewed and I'm not the face of the world, it's not about me. And sometimes taking a step back and just living in some of those other labels was okay. Not yeah. being a founder that was on every single list and every article and being interviewed, that was okay. That's okay. Like, take a step back. You don't always have to be the center of attention. You don't always have to be at the forefront of every conversation. Take a step back. Listen. Just soak it in. Understand that you are adding value to your kids at that moment in time. So our labels changed from time to time. Our priorities changed time to time. I don't know if that's making sense. I think for years, I just identified as a founder. Yeah. What I hear you saying is you really had to take time and space to figure out who you want to be beautiful. But it was what is the identity that you want, not that other people are plastering on you or that think is important based on what you're seeing in media or this and that. It really was like, how do you get grounded? Not just your worth, though you've said that too, right? And value. But who does Deep T. Sharma want to be in this moment for now? And it will evolve. I mean, boom, we could all the interview there because <laughs> it's like it's really a design. But I, I do want to know a little bit about how you are finding joy because you mentioned that you've spent a bunch of months really focused on self-nourishment and joy as you're figuring out what your next big pivot is. Honestly, it's just spending time with people I love. It's been a really rough year for our family. We've had a number of losses that were really hard. And that was another thing that I was dealing with. And again, I went silent again in the past Mm -hmm. six months. And I took a step back. And it was like, who do I want in my life? Who are the people that I want to spend time with? Who are the people that see me as enough that bring joy to me in the simplest ways? And that's what I was doing. It's as simple as that, the working out and finding time for that and all those things. But it was just people. I needed to reconnect with people that I had lost touch with, like some Mm -hmm. of my great friends from 10 years ago that I just haven't talked to in a while. And I'd say, let's not go to the restaurant and spend $200 for no reason and just eat. Well, we can do that too. Mm -hmm. But let's have experiences. Let's experience something new together. Mm -hmm. And so it was taking walks in random parks and places that we both lived in. It was going to the MoMA and just staring at a piece of art for a few hours, right? It was just finding new ways to experience life with them. And that's all I've been trying to do. And talking about my purpose and talking about what I'm feeling and talking about maybe not feeling like I'm enough, right? And just remembering who I was, who I've become and being okay with that change So joy really has come from people, whether that's family or it's chosen family. And that's really important to me because I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in because they're my family 
I have to be there for them at all times. Mm-hmm. And I'm bound to their needs and because they're family, because they're my sibling or because they're my parent or they're my cousin or whatever. It's like, that's all well and good. But find the people that make you whole, that make you feel whole. That's the joy that I've been looking for. And give from the overflow of your well, not the depths, right? Yeah. Not the dregs. There's the overflow. There's time for those people, the people that are the critics and the people that like challenge you. There's always time for those. I welcome those people in my life a lot because I think they're important. I love being challenged. I hate being told that I'm the best all the time. But it is important to surround yourself with all of those. But right now, at this moment in time, I just really needed people that were uplifting and that I could do the same for, right? That they were going through something in their life and they needed a little bit of that help and love and care and all of the good stuff. Yeah, just focusing on that. Joy has been people. It has been therapy. It has been working with a trainer. Okay, fitness. Been, yeah, strength. I started swimming again. Swimming mm-hmm. was something I did 20 years ago when I was in high school. I was on my swim team in high school and I started swimming again. Mm -hmm. I found a pool and I swim every week. It's the little things and it's the joy used to come from, oh my God, like Fast Company wants to do an interview with me and talk about my work. And I found validation in that. Whereas now validation comes from my kids, my spouse, what I did for myself. I'm trying to remember that that's enough. Yeah. And letting going of that ego of how, again, what I was saying earlier, I need to be at the forefront of every conversation. Right. I need to be the one being interviewed. I need to be the, no, it's okay if you're not. This slowdown, I think, is going to serve you so well as you're exploring what's next. Do you want to talk quickly about what's next for you or you want to? Yeah, I mean, we can. Mm -hmm. I've spent the last two years working with students at Barnard and Columbia. What's been the best part of that journey and a part of this like slowdown for me has been, and Breen actually asked me this question when we did our showcase with the students. And it was like, what have you learned? What have you loved? Break it down. What was it like the last two years for you? And it was that I was allowing myself to dream again. As, mm-hmm. Again, as silly as that might sound, as we get older, we build up walls of mm-hmm. what is and isn't possible in life. And a lot becomes impossible for us. We say, nope, yeah. can't do that. It's yeah. impossible. I can't make time for myself. I can't take a solo trip. I can't do blah, 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 blah. Like there's so many walls that we put up for ourselves. What we should be doing is building ourselves up, allowing us to have opportunities that we've never had, allowing us ourselves to experience new things. Mm-hmm. And so working with a generation like Gen Z students mm-hmm. has been eye-opening because they have allowed me to remember that when you're creating, when you're building, nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of perspective. And yes, there are reality checks that you have to give yourself. Yes, there are some things that you just cannot do. And that overnight success is not something to look up to, right? Like like slow and steady. And what they have done for me is this opening myself up to new opportunities, things that I would never say yes to, things that I thought were impossible, possible again, allowing myself to be 18 to 20 again, right? Mm -hmm. That the world is my oyster and that even as I approach being 40 soon, that age is just a number Mm -hmm. and that age shouldn't be a barrier to finding joy in new things and limiting myself. So I think that opportunity in the last two years, working with such amazing humans, learning from them has been what I think about what I want to do next. So I have officially signed on with a new company where I will be 
their director of community and helping them build out a community of people that are focusing and working on social impact, building and solving the world's problems that we see today, some of the biggest problems. And it's going to be a community of people that aren't just coming up with ideas, but are a group of people that are actively doing something about it and actively working together, collaborating and helping each other. Because the only way for our world to exist is if we don't see each other as competition, Mm -hmm. but we see each other as a community of collaborators, as a community of people that can help uplift and empower. And it's not this like kumbaya moment. It really is. If we want our survival, if we want the next generations to exist and thrive, it's only going to happen if we realize that there's power in numbers. And it's not about the individual solution. It's about the collective solution to solving poverty, food insecurity, Mm -hmm. the global climate crisis that we're in. And so joining this new company where we will literally just create a community of people that come together that are creators and builders is really exciting, right? Because we are taking the most impossible problems and trying to find real life solutions to them. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited to bring a group of people together that I believe in, not only that I believe in, that believe in each other's solutions, each other's ability to create and solve is going to be fun and exciting. So yeah, I started a month. So until then, I'm going to find more joy with friends and family. I went in on one of those walk and talks, museum trips. Yeah. We had an amazing hug about a month ago. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, we did. We did. Did we ever? Did we ever? That's right. That wasn't even this week. That was like I cried. Uh, Yeah, it was amazing. We'll do that again. I'm so excited to cheer for you and just root in your corner as ever, always and always. Where can people connect with you, follow you, find you, be inspired by you? Yeah, I am very active on most social platforms, mostly Instagram and Twitter. I'm DNYC on all platforms. So Mm. it's D-E-E-P-T-I-N-Y-C. I I carry that New York identity with me everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's true. (laughs) I love being a native New Yorker, born and brought up in Queens, New York. It is the one thing that I love talking about. We native New Yorkers do exist and we're still in New York. (laughs) And we love to see it. We love to see it. Thanks for being here, Deep D. It's a joy always to talk with you. And thank you all for listening. This has been your new life blend. I'm Shoshana Hecht, your host, reminding you as ever to be gentle with yourself.